0: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. An interesting trade week as we wrap up everything we got some good green on the screen. And coming from the hogs, which many folks thought, wow, we haven't seen that type of reaction in a while from them. Soybeans turned themselves around as the corn continued their struggle. And as for this wheat complex, the numbers out of Kansas City and even uh, Minneapolis saw the, the big push. Pretty quiet, though, on the Chicago side. Lots of factors that we're going to dive into what's happening in the trade today with Sue Martin. Sue is with Ag and Investment out of Clarion, Iowa. So we got to start out with the beans, Sue, because obviously they did the. This- themselves some turnaround after having a week of a lot of struggles
1: well they got very oversold as you know corn and wheat are too but uh, the beans got oversold Uh, you have the products turn it's the end of the month first notice day is passed so everybody was liquidating on you know into thursday's close because of today being first notice day and for all May contracts and um so that offered renewed buying but uh through the process of this uh we note that um uh Argentina's crop you know their beans are about thirty three percent harvested um you know the yield is now um as you're you know the worst crop's going to be harvested first. We'll hear the better yields at the end. But for now, they're starting to lower that production estimate again, and and have beans down to twenty percent, and and I think, excuse me, I want to say beans are eighteen percent harvested, and corns thirty three percent harvested in Argentina. But um, there, you know, there's talk that the production number may be closer to twenty million metric tons, rather than where the USDA's at at twenty seven so we expect another reduction in this next report here coming up in may um you look at the corn and argentine corn productions dropping as well we're hearing talk of probably around 29 million metric tons something like that and usda sitting at 36 million metric tons so a far cry from where they started off, and yes, the USDA Agateche is talking about much bigger numbers this next go-around of planting season, but you've always got to expect the best or back to normal when you start planting for the next crop in. So their forecast is fine, and then we'll deal with it as we get closer. But then you've got uh Brazilians, uh, Safrina corn, late-planted. But has gotten off to a good start and conditions have been pretty favorable, albeit though they are starting to turn dry. And we need to keep an eye on that. But as we go into late July through August, in that time frame, they're going to start harvesting and coming around with that crop. And I'm um, afraid we're going to see uh, saffrona corn uh, competition as we go into our harvest. The um, concern, you know, I know that we had such euphoria in March when China was buying corn, U.S. corn. And now they've, you know, canceled one sale of 327,000 metric tons last week. This week, 233,000 metric tons. So there's talk it may add up to a million metric tons before they're all said and done. Well, that is a twofold uh situation for them. One, they know they pay too much to begin with. Two, if they cancel those sales or start canceling some sales, the psychological thing will drive the prices lower. That'll allow them to come in and buy US corn again if they want to, cheaper, but also it allows them to buy the safrina corn In Brazil, cheaper because psychologically it's rubbing off on them the way we're breaking. And also, they would prefer to buy because why? It's done in yuan and not in the dollar. And so also they're in control because it's going through their bank. And so Lula, of course, was going to be more than willing to agree because it was just wonderful business that he's looking at, the world's largest importer, buying from Brazil.
0: So it really should come as no surprise that, I mean, we saw the hype when China made those purchases, but I think every, in the back of everybody's mind, they were going to be knowing that the you know, cancellations were coming as we saw more information coming in and out of Brazil.
1: Oh, I think so too, but seeing it in print was probably the thing that that started the move and and just and the market was ready for a correction um many times when you and when I was on Market to market the last time I talked about a break into the twenty first I was on on April sixth or we filmed it on April sixth for Easter weekend, and um the market broke into the twenty first but in corn, it really did not catch its breath, but in beans and wheat, it did, but then it turned and took those lows out, and that's a rule of thumb in that timing is that if you do that, and especially within a few days, that's power to that direction, which in this case was down. Now, in years past, when you put a low in in April, you'd, a lot of times will come up into May turn around, take a look at that low, and more times than not, maybe penetrate it and then maybe decide whether you're going to turn higher or not. The one thing that happened in corn this week that I'm not real pleased about is that corn came, yes, it came down just sliding, which is good for the livestock producers. And we still have pretty good basis levels, but you can have a good basis level with a price declining too. But in the meantime, we also seen July corn or saw July corn and December corn exceed the lows of last year, which was in July. And taking out last year's lows is setting this market up as a negative year.
0: Stick around, folks. We've got a lot more as we get ready for the second half on this Friday. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Hey, Tom, I see a Fontenelle sign there on your North 80. That corn looks pretty good. Well, yeah, my neighbors had good luck with Fontenelle, so I decided to give it a try. They've been around for quite a while? Well, sure have. In the last three
1: seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a 9-bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products.
0: Wow, that's impressive. I'm thinking I might add some Fontenelle to my farm. Well,
1: just contact your local dealer or go to fontnell.com if you want more information.
0: Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continuing our conversation this afternoon with Sue Martin. Sue, of course, was the ag and investment. And let's talk about the fact that we've gotten some decent rains in the Midwest. I mean, some are not getting as much as others, but it started in the Oklahoma, uh, Kansas area and has moved northward. And and it's good to see this maybe change in optimism for those in agriculture when we got that precipitation coming in. Market paying much attention? to this wide swath of rain, Sue?
1: Well, I think so. Um I think that's weighed on the wheat market here this week um as well. But our weather sources that we use, uh, we have one we really like out of South America, and he, he usually gives us a forward outlook for quite some time. And his outlook for this spring into June, actually even a little bit beyond was calling for that we would see warmer drier weather in through iowa illinois you know missouri kind of through the heart of the midwest nebraska but we would see the the southern plains start picking up rain and it looks like that may be coming to fruition
0: So as we continue to talk more about El Nino and many folks saying we could see some more opportunities uh, for rain in the Midwest, can we bank on that for this crop?
1: Well, I'm not sure we can. I think um, the one thing that our source out of South America says is that come around mid-June, maybe a little bit later in June, we should start picking up some moisture in the Midwest, in Iowa, Nebraska, Nebraska. So we'll see if that happens or if it gets pushed out a little bit. The one thing I will say is we have a negative PDO, and it's remaining that way. That is a concern because that could foil good crops. And it may just be that forecast that raises prices into July to August and then, of course, turn us right back down. As we start to pick up the rains As we move towards El Nino So it's going to be interesting to see Because in the U.S. There is a tendency for I was just going to look for it here um, There is a tendency for U.S. production To be very erratic in years Where we do have an El Nino And um, then what we see is Is that For example, the worst year, which ironically was in 83-84, when we had an El Nino, we were 81.6% of the previous record for yields, and that was in soybeans. And then the best year was 109.9%, which was in 92-93, I remember that year very well, and uh, the average, though, of all the years of El Ninos with a a yield as a percent of the previous record for soybeans was 97.9%. That doesn't spell good things, especially when we're tight supplied right now. But then you've got Brazil coming on deck and they tend to do better in an El Nino. So their worst year was 1969-70 way back. Um, They did 94.4% of a previous record but all the other years, they were at a hundred-plus in uh, yield of a beating the previous record. And of course, they certainly look great. And that year, by the way, was 1972-'73. Uh, that was the great Russian grain robbery out of the U.S.
0: Up up, Let's talk about this hog market, some definite highs and a turnaround in their contracts.
1: Well, they did. They came out of here like gangbusters since last Friday or so, and um, they put a low in on the 21st. We had cycle timing on them on that day as we did cattle, and hogs put a low in and made a big reversal, uh, probably because of unwinding of spreads between the hog and the cattle market. But I will say this. The hog industries has struggled. weans this past week reached a low of $7. Feeder pigs. Well, that's a pretty low level, and it doesn't entice anyone to be uh, farrowing more hogs, more sows. And so there's talk that we're seeing some liquidation or going to. In fact, there was talk today that Smithfield is on target to liquidate 190,000 sows or 10% of their herd. And there's also talk that there's been two sal units in Iowa that has lost financing. Well, you've got interest rates starting to creep up, even though over history, even, you know, we always remember the best or the most recent, the best, and that's like 0% or 1% or 2% or 3% interest rates. Well, now we're starting to creep up and we're still a far cry from where we were in the 70s and 80s. In the meantime, We've got, you know, it's tougher to get help on these farms, these hog facilities. Lots of great stuff today. Best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sue. Well, our number is 1-800-527-0051. And you all have a great Friday and a good weekend.
0: Thanks so much. And that is today's Fontanelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontanelle Hybrids and all your local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.